Let us pray. Sovereign God, you turn your greatness into goodness for all the peoples of the earth. Shape us into willing servants of your kingdom and make us desire always and only your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. morning. The first reading is from Isaiah 53, the fourth, uh, the fourth through the twelfth verses. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases, yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. By his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By a perversion of justice he was taken away. Who could have imagined his future? For he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. He made his grave with the wicked and his tomb with the rich. Although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him with pain. When you make his life an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring and shall prolong his days. Through him the will of the Lord shall prosper. Out of his anguish he shall see light. He shall find satisfaction through his knowledge. The righteous one, my servant, shall make many righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. We'll read the psalm responsibly. Because you have made the Lord your refuge and the Most High your habitation, for God will give the angels charge over you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion cub and viper. You will trample down the lion and the serpent. They will call me, and I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. The second reading is from the fifth chapter of Hebrews, the first through tenth verses. Every high priest chosen from among mortals is put in charge of things pertaining to God on their behalf to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is subject to weakness. And because of this, he must offer sacrifice for his own sins as well as for those of the people. And one does not presume to take this honor, but takes it only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but was appointed by the one who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, having been designated by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God.
This is the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And Jesus said to them, What is it that you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We're able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. After a weekend of college football rampant with missed field goals a couple of years ago, some producers at ESPN tried a little experiment. They trolled through the internet and tracked down a number of people who had declared, in the self-righteous indignation you only find on social media, that they could have made those field goals no problem. And they invited these would-be Justin Tuckers to actually try kicking a field goal on national television. And even once these people see all the cameras and see how far away the field goal actually is, the confidence just oozes out of them. I can do it. Yeah, let's go. This is easy. The results were, to put it charitably, awful. We tend to overestimate our abilities at things that we haven't done. The psychologist David Dunning, who's a noted researcher on self-awareness, puts it this way. Incompetent people do not recognize, scratch that, can't recognize, just how incompetent they are. After all, if you knew enough to know how bad you were at something, you would know enough to be good at it. That's true not just for kicking field goals, but learning a new language, playing an instrument, picking up a new hobby, using grammar correctly, to say nothing of the most obvious area of life where people overestimate their competence, driving. Psychologists call this the Dunning-Kruger effect, but we could also call it the James and John effect. In today's Gospel reading, Jesus has just finished telling his disciples about how he'll be crucified and rise from the dead after three days. And James and John, seemingly uninterested in any of this rising from the dead stuff, approach Jesus and say, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Now this probably sounds familiar to you. A couple of weeks ago, we heard the disciples argue about who was the best disciple. And that was annoying, but this is even worse. That was about who's the best at following Jesus right now, and technically somebody is. But this is about who's being number one in the age to come. Not just slightly better than your peers, but getting a place close to Jesus for all eternity. And Jesus replies, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? In the Hebrew Bible, the cup is an image that's used to talk about experiences of suffering. So Jesus is redirecting their attention again to his crucifixion and resurrection. 
And sure enough, when you think about Jesus' passion, all sorts of cup images come up. At the Last Supper, Jesus says he won't drink the fruit of the vine until I drink it in the kingdom of God, which he does on the cross. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus asks that his father remove this cup from him, this experience of suffering. So Jesus asks, are you able to go through that? I can do it. Yeah, let's go. This is easy. That response is interesting on two levels. One is the disciples really don't understand what Jesus is talking about, which is nothing really new. But the second is a little deeper, that not only did James and John misunderstand Jesus, they also misunderstand themselves. The stories, the perceptions, the projections they carry have very little in common with what's actually happening in the world. They have ideas about what kind of people they are, what they would do in a given situation, but those ideas are detached from reality. We often feel that we never really know other people, that even if you know someone for decades, there's some part of them that you never really fully get. But St. Mark takes it a step further and says, well, the truth is, we don't even really know ourselves. In the case of people who can't kick field goals, that lack of self-awareness is comic. But in the case of James and John, it's tragic. Because for the disciples, that moment of awareness only comes too late. After all, Jesus says, you're going to drink the cup that I will drink. You're going to go through some experience of loss and disorientation and disillusionment, but you're not going to realize exactly what's happening. There won't be TV cameras everywhere. There won't be bright lights that let you know this is the big moment and you're about to get an opportunity to enter into glory. No, Jesus says, you'll spend your life wondering when you're going to get to the real thing, a real chance to make a difference, a real chance to do something meaningful, a real chance to do something worthy of the calling God has placed on your life, and then realize the moment's already come and gone. And that's why it's important that Jesus picks up a second image, not just drinking the cup, but sharing in Jesus' baptism. And this is sort of a weird twist in the story. The stuff about the cup sort of makes sense, but what does baptism have to do with any of this? Wasn't Jesus already baptized by John? So why is he talking about his baptism as something that hasn't happened yet? Well, remember that baptism comes for the word for immersion. When Jesus speaks about his baptism, he's talking about his passion, about being immersed, going under the forces of death. When you read Mark's Passion, the story isn't about one lone actor who's out to get Jesus. It's of a system that keeps on closing in even tighter, where no one's ever really responsible, where there's no way to get out at a certain point. In his Passion, Jesus goes under a situation, a system, where he doesn't have control. And when he touches bottom, he finds himself next to two criminals, one at his right, and one at his left. In the early church, when baptism and baptisms involved not just a little gesture of water, but a real submersion in it, that resonance was obvious. Going under the water, death, and re-emerging with Christ, life. And baptism joins us to Christ in every experience of life. So whenever we go under the waters, Christ is already there. When we're overwhelmed by death, Christ is already there. And when we're immersed in suffering, Christ is under the waves with us. A baptism doesn't get you away out of suffering and death and loss and the perils of just living. You notice in the story, Jesus doesn't offer James and John an option of experiencing his baptism if they want to. No, he says, you're going to. The choice isn't immersion or no immersion. It's simply whether you can see the face of Christ in the deep or not. That's not the way James and John like to think about it. 
And it's probably not our first choice either. After all, we so often tell ourselves that to become more aware of ourselves, to truly find ourselves, we need to get away from the world. That the real you is deep inside somewhere, and if you could just get some peace and quiet and stop having to deal with people, you could finally get to your true self. But Jesus says, no, that the way we find ourselves, that we find meaning in our lives, isn't by withdrawing from the world, but by becoming immersed in it. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wishes to be great must get immersed in the experiences, aspirations, and hopes of other people. Mark's Jesus says that if you think you'll enter glory by some heroic act, or a brave stance, or an intelligent insight, you're probably just setting yourself up for failure. Because the moment will come and go, and after all, prophets are only heroes in hindsight. No, Mark's Jesus says that the way to glory is through baptism. That we are seated at the right hand of God, not when we transcend the world, but when we live out our baptisms alongside Christ deep in the world's chaos. The glory isn't something that we can achieve by our own merits, but only something that we can receive again and again and again. Are we able to enter into glory? The answer, of course, is no. But we're always able to enter into life with Christ. And through our baptisms, he is always at hand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. invite the assembly to remain standing as we join the church around the world confessing our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. 
and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Set free from sin and death, and nourished by the word of truth, we join in prayer for all of God's creation. Holy One, for the gift of the Church, handed down through the ages, and for all who carry on the servant ministry of Jesus, we praise you. Send your Holy Spirit upon all who are discerning calls to ministry in its many forms, and equip them with your gifts. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Creating one, for the lush and abundant habitat you provide for all your creatures, we praise you. Provide healing for the earth so that waterfowl, reptiles, wild horses, dolphins, and all living things flourish as you intend. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Suffering one, for all who work toward peace, and who lead nations with a servant's heart, we praise you. Bring justice for all who suffer violence, persecution, discrimination, hunger, poverty, and homelessness, and create places of refuge for all people. We pray especially this week for the people of Belize, Guatemala, Honduras, and Mexico. Hear us, O God, your mercy is great. Merciful One, for all who do the work of healing in mind, body, and spirit, we praise you. Surround and comfort all who struggle with depression, anxiety, cancer, diabetes, dementias, or any illness, that all may be healed. If you have any intentions, either state them now or think them aloud or softly in your hearts. Rick. Hear us, O God. Equip us to uncover and denounce evil without hurting the lives of those sowing love and justice. Fortify the weak stalk so that hope and patience flower in us to follow you without ever halting in our sowing. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. With thanksgiving, we remember those who have died. Keep us in communion with all the saints until we at last find our rest in you. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. We offer these prayers in the name of the one who is made perfect, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you.
God of all goodness and grace, receive the gifts we offer and grant that our whole life may give you glory and praise. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection, Open to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy God, mighty Lord, endless is your mercy and eternal your reign. You have filled all creation with light and life. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. We praise you for the grace shown to your people in every age, the promise to Israel, the rescue from Egypt, the gift of the promised land, the words of the prophets. And at this end of all the ages, the gift of your Son, who proclaimed the good news in word and deed, and was obedient to your will, even to giving his life. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broken, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, O God, with this bread and cup, we remember the life our Savior offered for us. In believing the witness of his resurrection, we await his coming in power to share with us the promised feast. Send now, we pray, your Holy Spirit, that we who share Christ's body and blood may live to the praise of your glory and receive our inheritance with all your saints in light. Join our prayers with those of your servants of every time and place, and unite them with the ceaseless petitions of our great high priest until he comes as victorious Lord of all. For through him, with him, in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. This is the body of Christ given for you, and the blood of Christ shed for you.
God of abundance, you have fed us with the bread of life and a and cup, cup of, of salvation. salvation. You, you have, have united us with Christ and one another. another. And you, you have, have made, made us one with all your people in heaven and, and on earth. Now send us forth in the power of your spirit, that, that we may proclaim your redeeming love to the world and continue forever in the risen life of Christ, Christ our, our Savior. Savior. Amen. seat for the announcements? Sorry, this is the first Sunday we've had an assisting minister and we're getting used to sort of who goes where, when. Uh, does anyone have any announcements they want to share with the congregation? No. I want to remind you, programming you have coming up this week, you have lots of chances to get plugged in with stuff. Book group is going to meet tomorrow from 1 to 2. You can do in person or you can meet on Zoom. It'll be hybrid. Sharon's leading the discussion. What was the book this month? Do you remember? Okay. And if you want to hear Sharon's opinion, you have to go to book club, right? That's the rule. Uh, Wednesday, we have midweek discussion. That's from 6.30 to 7.30. That's sort of church history discussion. There's no prep for that. And then Thursday, we have Bible study from 10 to 11. Some events coming up I want to remind you of. We'll go in escalating exciting here. All Saints Sunday is Sunday, November 7th. If you have names you want to submit, uh, for our commemoration of people who died in the past year or have been baptized in the past year. You can either just email the church office or there's a Google form where you can submit names to that. So I invite you to do that. Interfaith Thanksgiving is back in person this year. I've been talking to Rabbi Waxman. It's going to be the Sunday before uh, Thanksgiving. So the 21st, I think, I'll get you details about that soon. So we have that to look forward to. And then the last thing, the most exciting news of all, is uh, James Francis McGooligan was born on Friday this past week. Uh, so congratulations to Anne and Shay. And as it turns out, today is Bobby McGooligan's first baptismal anniversary. So I got to call him and see how he's doing with all those baptismal vows he signed up for. Uh, so that is all I have in the way of announcements. Uh, why don't, I'll give you the blessing. Why don't you come up here for the, the dismissal, Carolyn? I invite you to stand for the blessing. Lord, we have broken your bread and received your life. By the power of your spirit, keep us always in your love through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen. Amen. Go in peace. Your glory is in Christ. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. I'll take care of the candles. Mm -hmm.
perfect.